If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheetah. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. <laughs> and it's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas. But I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. And welcome to Two Steps Ahead podcast. Two Steps Ahead podcast highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in so you don't have to. Broadcasting live from our new studios high atop the Sunset Strip, deep, deep in the heart of Tinseltown. I'm Son Edom. Thank you for joining us here on this uh, edition. And coming up on the show, we're going to talk about a, a few things. The first thing, well, one of the things we're going to talk about is I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, the other night, and uh, he was sharing some things. We're catching up in the new year, and, and he was telling me about the, the passing of his mother. So I've got some thoughts about just the, the preciousness of time and the time that we spend. So that'll be coming up. Also, transgender athletes, that story is still in the news, although not as pertinent as it was maybe a week ago. But I've got some thoughts on that. And then uh, to kick off the show, kick off. Did you get your satanic 666 boots for $1,000? Prepare. Apparently, Little Nas, the, is he just a musician, singer? Or is he do, does he uh, do other things, too? Is he an influencer? But he apparently uh, hooked up with uh, Mischief, a group that puts together, I guess, promotions and stuff. And he sold uh, 666 pairs of satanic shoes for just over $1,000 each, and they sold out just like that. So he made 666 times 1,000 plus. So you can do the math, you math majors. And um, I guess it corresponds with a video for a song. I guess the song is Montero. And the video has him doing all kinds of things. And one of the things that was striking that really got the attention of a lot of people was him sliding down a stripper pole from heaven to hell and then giving Satan a lap dance. Not my idea of what uh, heaven is like or hell is like, but anyways. And so that's got a lot of people up in arms. A lot of people are going crazy about these shoes, saying that they're satanic. They've got uh, pentagrams, 666. They've got blood, supposedly, in the heel of the shoe, like real human blood. Um, and Nike, they're Nikes, but Nike is separating themselves from the promotion saying that uh, they didn't endorse this. And in fact, I think they sued or ha- are in the process of suing Lil Nas. But um, so that's kind of the backstory. So you've got this artist fresh off the heels of the Grammys in which Cardi B and Megan the Stallion, they did their provocative uh, lesbian dance, basically, if you want to get down to it for WAP. Now, I've heard it was WAP and I've heard it was WAP. So I don't know. But WAP. Uh, her song. I guess that's a Grammy Award winning song. I guess that's the best what we can do. Of all the songs in the history of songs that have come out, all the Grammy Award winning songs, we have reduced ourselves to WAP and that type of stuff. But anyway, so there's a big buzz about these shoes. But the interesting thing that I find about it, it's not the shoes that sell, but it's the people that buy them. 
They buy them up because they want to be a part of something. Maybe they want to be rebellious. Maybe they want to be a part of the cool crowd. Maybe they just want something that's, you know, provocative. I don't know. But it got me thinking. You know, on the show, we often talk about um, the influencers, things that influence us, right? The things that make us do things. We talk about raising our standard. We talk about elevating ourselves to be better. So we talk about the influences. And it got me thinking, you know, here it's actually a Passion Week or Holy Week for those that observe uh, Easter, Palm Sunday, and now Easter coming up. But as we take a look at it, it makes me think about the people that want that type of thing as their influence. Because as I was doing some research and checking on some things, it was interesting to find out that, you know, when you talk about Satanism, because I guess the Church of Satan approved and was uh, celebrating these shoes. And so when you sit there and you start to listen to the people that are promoting this and accepting it and encouraging it and praising it, actually, it makes me wonder, you know, what kind of people are being influenced on them? Because last time I checked, I don't think anything good has ever come from the occult. Nothing good has come from anything that is derived from Satan. So when you look back over the course of things, you see a lot of negative influence on people. And that, uh, and people might think, you know, eh, it's, it's shoes. It's, it's an innocent thing. It's something that's not, don't get carried away about it. And it's not the shoes that really matters, but it's the influence of the shoes. It's what we're promoting. It's what we're putting on, putting on our feet. And it reminded me of something that a lot of people at one time thought was pretty innocent, maybe a children's game, something you could buy at the toy store, maybe. And that's the Ouija board. How innocent was the Ouija board? I don't know if you've ever done the Ouija board. I haven't. But there's plenty of stories of people that have done the Ouija board thinking that it was something that was innocent, something that would be fun, and it turned out that it wasn't. And so I got a story of somebody that uh, told me their Ouija board story, and it's very credible, very trustworthy people. But I found a story that I thought was compelling pretty simple, pretty innocent as it started out. And I want to play that for you first, and then we'll get into the conversation of where the Ouija board kind of fits into this influencing thing. Because it's not the shoes itself, it's not the board itself, it's not the thing itself, or even the artist that puts it out there. Because, you know, I grew up listening to 80s music on the Sunset Strip, and, you know, there was a lot of things that people would sing about and put in their act and put in their show. And it's that for show, right? It's they want to get a reaction out of people. They want to make it so that people will pay attention to them. You know, it's an attention grabber. But the subtlety of it, the subtlety of what comes from it that could affect people in the negative. So take a listen to the story. And then I've got my story for you. And then uh, we can talk about it. So here's a story about a, a couple that started so innocently enough with a Ouija board. And then from there, what they experienced. I think part of the motivation of getting on the board was being able to get in contact with family. And we were just like amazed when it started to work for us. Sometimes we may go on the board maybe two or three times a day. It kind of sucks you in. I didn't care for it much because they kind of really got into like believing it. You guys are really messed around. They would ask you questions like, Oh, when will I get pregnant? They really took everything it said seriously. I'd read that it can be dangerous, you don't know what you're calling forward, that sort of thing. But I think once you find that you're getting these questions answered correctly time and time again, your skepticism's gone. You truly do believe. So for about a month, we'd been using the board, having a good time with it. 
ready? Yeah. Then one day um, we said, is there any friendly spirit here who would like to come forth and communicate with us? And it said no. The room felt different. Something weird going on. We both noticed it, like, right away. And we said, who is this? It spells out V-O-X. Vox. What are we dealing with? And then, all of a sudden, things got really weird. It was out of control, like... It was scary. We're barely touching it, and it's just moving everywhere. I kept on saying the same stuff over and over and over again. It was all directed to me. He loved me, that Mike was lucky that he was able to sleep with me. I was a porn star. It was weird, sickening, nerve-wracking. It was out of my hands, out of my control, and it was frightening. said goodbye and then it spelled out you will never be rid of me there's nothing you can do about it all of a sudden it started counting down 10 9 8 7 6 5 That really freaked me out. I'm like, what have we done? What have we done? Now, you might be quick to dismiss their experience, but someone told me one time, someone I trust that uh, not going to feed me tales, and they were telling me a story. They knew somebody that did the Ouija board, and the Ouija board, when they were a teenager, they would go into the room, innocently enough, like these people, start out innocently enough, where they're just trying to have some fun, maybe ask some simple questions. You heard in the clip, they were like, hey, is there any good spirits or you know, fun spirits, whatever it was, that want to talk to us? And then it was like, no, and that's when everything kind of turned bad. But as the, my friend was telling me the story, this person, they're sitting there in the room and they're doing the Ouija board. And if you're not familiar with the Ouija board, it's this board with some letters on it and some stuff. And you've got this little widget thing that's like the triangle. And you put your hands on it and you ask questions. And then the Ouija board will move around and it will spell out uh, an answer. Anyways, so they're doing the Ouija board. And then all of a sudden, it starts to spell out K-I-L-L and then spell out the name of one of the people in the room. Basically, kill so-and-so. And it freaked them all out. So obviously, they got rid of the board, never did it again, and ran away from it. But that's the thing that we're talking about here. So when you look at something such as maybe shoes that Lil Nas might be trying to sell and his imagery on the video that he might be uh, trying to grab people's attention, maybe be provocative, but what's the influence that you're putting on yourself? Because, again, when you take a look at things, we talk about, you know, we talk about drugs. I, I was teaching at the community college here for a while, a number of years, and I would listen to people talk about their drug use. You know, marijuana is legalized in a lot of places, and so a lot of people would u- utilize marijuana. And then they'd say it's innocent, it's non-addictive, but it's, it's the gateway. It's the gateway thing that starts it to go down 
deeper and deeper in that rabbit hole. You think about people that drink, they take that first drink and then they continue to drink and it goes down. And if they never stepped foot in the bar and never took that first drink, they don't have a problem. If you don't pull out the Ouija board, you're not being chased around by perhaps demonic activity, paranormal activity. If you don't buy satanic shoes, maybe you're not going to be bothered by that. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. But here's the thing. What's influencing us and What's the outcome of that? We talked about last week, you know, when we were talking about racism and the heart, what we have on a heart is what comes out of us. So again, if we're talking racism, if we have hate in our heart, it's going to come out. We're going to talk hateful towards people. We're going to say mean things. We're not going to care to go and help somebody if we don't like them because we have hate on our heart, if our heart is hardened. If we have a soft heart, a compassionate heart, a kindness heart, a loving heart, then we're going to act accordingly. Our actions, our words, the things we do and care for are going to be different. And I think that's the same way with this type of thing. So even though you have people on both ends of the spectrum, some people really freaking out. I mean, you can go to social media and look through the the postings and you can see a lot of people really freaking out about it. You have a lot of people of religious faith that are speaking out against it. You have some people in religious faith that are saying it's not a big deal, don't panic. And then you have others that are saying, hey, it's no big deal at all. In fact, I wished I got a pair. But what are we doing with it? Because you think about people such as Richard Ramirez. He dabbled in the occult. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer actually had a clip that I wanted to play, but then I decided, you know, that's probably a whole different route to go. But it started with something as innocent in his mind as taking the life of animals. And then from there, it graduated to the first person that he took the life of. Then it was the uncontrollable second, and then it went from there. That's not healthy behavior and makes you think. And then Manson, of course, Charles Manson, you know, all he talked about a lot of times was demons, demonic things. Maybe he was crazy. Maybe he was possessed. Maybe it was something just to garner attention. We don't know. But look at the behavior of these people. So the point is when you're dealing with something as innocent as perhaps shoes and you're dealing with a theme that's not so innocent. I mean, you think about all the stuff that goes on at Halloween. You know, we like to think of it as being innocent. We dress up in costumes. We go trick-or-treating. We have some parties, and we have a good time. But it's also a time where a lot of bad things and a lot of bad people celebrate that. You think about the witches that celebrate that. You think about other people that use Halloween as a means to celebrate evil. And so that's the point is, When we're talking about elevating ourselves, when we're talking about elevating our greatness, when we're talking about raising the standard, because we have greatness in us, right? The greatness is in us that we're trying to bring out so that we can inspire others and bring people up so that we can make the world better. We're trying to have a soft, compassionate heart so that when we see someone in trouble, we can step in and intervene. When we hear unkind words towards somebody, we can intervene and say, hey, that's not right. But if our influences are of this, we're watching imagery, of an artist in a video giving Satan a lap dance, we're wearing 666 shoes, might not be so innocent because it's the influence on our heart. We start to think that way. Our mind will start to turn. You know, one of the dangers of pornography is that it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. There's a lot of people out there, I think, during the pandemic, um, one of those sites, I don't know, was like one of the most searched sites. And then, like, I think, what is there, fans only or only fans was a site that a lot of people would, you know, promote pornographic activity and pictures and things like that. And it grew, like, exponentially during the uh, the lockdown, during the pandemic. And it starts out innocently. 
And then you start to get sucked in more and more. And you listen to people that had addictions and you listen to people that went down that road. It gets worse and worse. And, and what you're used to seeing doesn't satisfy you anymore. So it gets worse and worse and, and you need more and more. And that's with anything. That's with when you're drinking, the alcoholic needs more and more. When you're having any type of addiction, it's more. That little bit is not enough. We need more. We need more. So as we're going through life and as we're going through whatever we're going through, the influences on us are going to make us go down that road. So if we have positive friends around us, hopefully that raises us up, right? We have good influences. We go out and make good decisions. We go out and have fun times. But then when we have bad people around us, our influences tend to make us make bad decisions, do bad things. And then what happens? We end up in trouble. So as we go forward and we look at these types of things, because again, remember the Ouija board was something that was supposed to be innocent. It was something that was supposed to be a kid's game. You could buy at the toy shop. Now you got a lot of people with a lot of stories of paranormal activity, maybe demonic activity, like the story we heard, things that aren't very good. So sometimes when we look at it, the innocent might not be so innocent. If you have something to say and you want to talk about it, I've got a couple other topics, but uh, give me a call, 626 676 8972 is the number. 626 676 8972 is the number. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Little Nas and his satanic shoes. You know, another interesting thing that's been going on, it's been going on for a number of years, is that of transgendered athletes. You know, there's a lot of athletes out there that are now coming out transgendered. And so, the conversation has become, should they, especially when it becomes the topic of transgendered women, so men, they were naturally born men, and then they transgendered to women, should they be able to compete with naturally born women? And so that's the uh, the question that's been going on. It started really under the Obama administration, and then during the Trump administration, it kind of went away, but now all of a sudden under the Biden administration, it's come back. And as I was looking at it and taking a look at the issue, three things came to mind. First, you had the political motivations behind it. You've got people that want to put it in there because they think it's going to get them votes. You've got people that want it to take place because maybe they've got money invested in it somehow, maybe through legislation or whatever. They can say that they did this. Um, and so there's other, you know, agendas that need to be served through the political motivation of having transgendered athletes compete. The other motivation is the social motivation. Okay, you've got the social perspective, I guess. Not so much a motivation, but a perspective. So you've got people that are transgender. They want to be athletes, and so they want to be accepted into that community. Some of them are outcasts. In fact, a lot of them are. There's the perception of who they are versus the reality of who they are. And there's a lot of confusion, too, behind it. Because if you think about it, it's an area that is causing a lot of issues. And it's becoming a political issue because there can't really seem to be some sort of understanding. Now, I invited Fallon Fox to come on the show. I actually talked with her, but she said she wanted to maybe listen to the show a little bit, some previous shows, and then she turned out she didn't like what she heard, and so she said no. Now, she's a transgendered MMA uh, athlete. She was a male, transitioned to a female, and then became an MMA athlete. athlete and so she was getting a lot of pushback because there you've got a lot of people were saying you've got a naturally born male turning female but still male beating up on women that strength that um drive all the differences between men and women and then there was some rumors going around about that she was you know breaking skulls because her hit was so powerful 
Whether that was true or not, I don't think so. I couldn't find anything on that. Um, so probably just rumor. But you never know the damage that could be done because there is a difference, you know, physiologically between men and women. But the important thing or the, the more important thing that I want to look at is the personal thing. The personal thing when it comes to the individual athlete. You take the political nature out of it. You take the social nature out of it. And you bring it down to the person. You've got an athlete that's sitting there trying to compete. And let's take track for an example because that tends to be the, the biggest sport that, that affects, uh, I guess, I guess they call them cisgendered now. Cisgendered meaning that you are naturally born woman. So you're cisgendered woman and you're an athlete and you're competing. And so you're out there training, you're out there working out, you're sacrificing, you're dedicating yourself to the workout because you want to achieve, you want to win, you want to be the champion because you have a heart of the champion, you have a champion's mindset. And so you're going out there and you're competing. You're a transgendered athlete. You've got the same motivations. You want to compete. You want to win. You're out there dedicating yourself to winning, to being a champion. The heart of a lion is in you. The heart of a champion is in you. No doubt about that. And so we look at it from that perspective. There's both athletes trying to accomplish the same thing, win. But then there's the other side of it from the natural woman's perspective. And here I've got a clip from somebody. I think it was a couple years ago, Selena Soleil. She was a female track star in the state of Connecticut, and she was amongst the top five in the state in track. And then all of a sudden, these two transgendered female athletes were allowed to compete and it changed the nature of women's track in high school in Connecticut a couple of years ago. And this was her perspective on what she had to say. And it's kind of interesting, some of the stuff that she says, because nobody likes to look at it from their perspective. We all want to look at it from one perspective, and that's the perspective of the trans athlete. But what about this perspective of other athletes that are competing and have been competing throughout their whole life? Take a listen. And it's just not a fair contest having a woman compete against a man because no matter how hard she tries and how much work she puts in in practice, the male will always beat her. When we are all at the start line, we all know that these two athletes are going to win. And it should be that the girls are fighting for first and second place versus fighting for third and fourth place. Because in a given race, us girls, we will switch on and off with winning. It's not always the same girl each time. But when these two athletes participate, it is always one of them who is winning the race. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? From her perspective, there was a while where you had three or four, maybe five track stars all competing, and they would all win different races at different times. There was no one dominating. And then two trans athletes, they win every time. And they go into the blocks knowing they're going to lose. Not because they didn't train. Not because they didn't dedicate themselves to the workouts, not because they put in blood, sweat, and tears. It's biology. But then on the flip side, you've got these trans athletes wanting to compete. They identify as female, so they want a place to compete. Where's the balance? Where's the communication? Where's the dialogue of understanding? Because there's a lot of confusion that goes into this. It's understanding and confusion that we're trying to figure out. We want to understand but yet there's a lot of confusion, yet there's no dialogue. Like one person doesn't want to come on because she doesn't want to talk to me about it. She assumes I have a point of view. 
And all I want to do is start a conversation, start a dialogue about it. But we can't because all we want to do is preach to the choir. We want the pats on the back, people telling us, hey, I believe in you. I'm on your side. Good job. I'm going with you. We don't want to hear the other side. That's what it's come to in America today. We only want to listen to one side. We don't want to communicate. And she wasn't the first one. A couple of years ago when I was producing a uh, faith-based radio show, there was another LGBT issue that became national. And a guy I went to high school with that I knew, considered a friend, he turned out to be a gay male. I called him up. I said, hey, do you want to come on and talk about these issues? Let's have a dialogue. Let's start the conversation. He listened to the show and declined. That's fine. That's his right. But he didn't want to talk because he disagreed with what we had to say. So instead of coming on and dialoguing, sharing your side, and there's no agenda. I told him that even tonight. No agenda. I don't have an agenda. I want to hear from you. I want you to talk to me and tell me your side. Let's talk about it because you do have a perspective. You do have a perspective as an athlete, but then so do people such as naturally born athletes. So where, what do we do with this? Where do we go? You know, here's Fallon Fox. She actually found a clip that I thought was kind of interesting that I want to play. And again, invited her on the show. She, she said no. And I got the idea that she just wants acceptance, you know, kind of like forced compliance, you know, you got to believe what I do. You got to believe what I say. You have to see my side as the right side and your side as not so much the right side. And if you believe differently, you're wrong. I kind of got that idea, which, you know, it's fine. I understand that. But where's the conversation start? And so this is a, an, uh, a soundbite that she put forward in an interview one time that I thought kind of, in her own words, sums up what people who disagree with her would probably be thinking. So let me know what you think of this. I find myself talking to myself as I walk around the house, explaining my positions to myself, you know, because I have to be able to express myself to people because it's such a complicated issue, you know, playing devil's advocate with myself to try and have to express myself to everyone. It's very, very hard. It's like a 24-hour thing, you know, because I know there's a possibility that people are going to come after me. They're not going to understand, so I have to be ready. You know, like, it's like I'm may be ready. She has to go around and kind of convince herself, talk to herself, present something. It's hard. It's a hard thing for her to go through and to understand. And so that's what it's like for people on the other side. They're trying to understand. They're trying to figure it out because it's new to them. They don't know. They've got daughters that want to compete, have been competing since they were really small, I would imagine, and they want to understand. But there's no dialogue. We can't have that dialogue. We can't have that conversation because if we disagree, then we're enemies and we can't talk. But even through her own words, she can understand the confusion. She can understand it in herself. It's got to be out there. Not everybody's going to fully understand. You can look back at anything, any civil rights thing, women voting, women's rights, uh, what we're going through even today with a lot of things with the civil rights movement and stuff that's still going on, uh, racism and stuff. There's a lot of things that people don't understand. We just went through a whole summer of rioting and, and uh, looting and protesting, legal protesting, you know, some positive stuff. But there was a lot of confusion. People didn't understand. But again, people didn't want to understand the other side. They didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to just have everybody believe their way. And that's it. So at what point then do we have acceptance versus compliance? And how do we balance that? 
And when do other people have a say in it? Because both points, both sides have a point. You've got a point if you're just looking at it from the athlete perspective. You're training hard. You're sacrificing yourself. You're committed. You're dedicated. You're getting out there and you want to win. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this tangible, this something that wasn't expected. You're out there. You're getting the, getting the uh, runner's blocks, getting ready to run. And like Soleil said, Selena Soleil, she said she looks and they know they're going to lose. From the moment the gun goes off, they don't stand a chance. And ever since those two uh, transgendered athletes were competing in track in the sprints, they've never won. How do we handle that? Is there anything fair about that? These are questions that need to be asked because there's no simple answer. Then the idea comes up, okay, why don't they have their own category? You have gender. You have age. You even have um, disability levels or categories, Special Olympics. You know, when you're growing up and you're playing sports, you have gender sports. You have age limits. When you get older, you know, Parks and Recs, they've got age limits. You know, sometimes they've got 30-plus leagues. They've got 50-plus leagues. You know, so they create it so that people of a certain specific demographic can fit in and compete and have fun because we know 50-year-old, probably can't compete with a 25-year-old playing basketball. So they make it so that it becomes a little bit more fair. So where does fairness come in? And then you think of that uh, South African runner, the guy that had the, the no legs, the blades, and he wanted to run in the normal Olympics, the Olympics. But they said that his blades gave him probably an undue advantage because they were engineered. And so he couldn't. So he was relegated to Special Olympics. Speaking of Special Olympics, because there's a designation, is that going to change? Is that going to be canceled too and called something else? Because aren't we setting aside who they really are as athletes because of their disabilities? Just a thought. But so when do we sit there and when do we have these conversations and what do we do? So do we have a transgendered competition? When I was in uh, the state of Nebraska, the radio station, I had to go cover the uh, state track meet one year, one of the longest four days of my entire life. And in the state of Nebraska, there were four classes, class A, class B, class C, and class D. And then actually class C and D had some subclasses. It was based on the size of your school. So obviously class A was the bigger cities. Class D was the smaller towns. And so they divided them up based on the size and population of the schools. Now there were a lot of class C students or athletes that could run circles around class A. So that really didn't matter. But there was a difference. The pool, the talent level, you could really see the difference between those in the big city and those from the smaller towns because there was a difference in the training regimen. People in the city, like Omaha, maybe Lincoln, maybe didn't have the farm chores as some of the people from like a Bannard County or Cozad. Makes a difference when you have to go do the chores versus you can spend the extra 30 minutes in the weight room or the extra 30 minutes in practice, trying to get better, working on your footwork, whatever the case may be. And so there's a lot of things that don't make the answer simple, and it's not black and white. We like to make it a black and white issue, but it's really not a black and white issue. There's a lot more to it. And then we take a look at something that is outside. Let's take it outside the competition. How about into the real world? I discovered this clip on social media. There was a lady, transgendered woman, complaining about stuff going on at the airport, but this is a non-athlete, but this is real world, and this is what happens in the real world when she goes to the airport. 
This is something I never would have thought of. But you can understand people's confusion when someone like her walks through the airport, especially comes to TSA and checking. Can we talk about how horrible it is to travel while being transgender sometimes? I always have immense anxiety leading up to going through security. And this being said, I totally recognize the privilege of having all of my documents correct. So the gender marker on my license, for example, says female. But going through the scanner, there's a male scanner and a female scanner in the TSA checkpoint. And looking at me, you know, I look like a woman and I am a woman. So that's great. I love having cis assuming privilege when I feel unsafe, such as in an airport. But going through the scanner, I always have an anomaly between my legs that sets off the alarm. And so she asked me if I had anything in my pants, and I told her no. And she's like, well, maybe it's just like the metal on your shorts, so let's scan you again. So I did, and then it set it off again. And I was like, look, I'm trans, just pat me down. And her solution was, do you want to be scanned as a man instead? I didn't, but I ended up doing it. And then my boobs set off the scanner, because of course. So I tried to make a joke of it. I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of plastic in there, it's fine. So then she was like, okay, well, we have to pat you down. And she was like, do you want a man to do it? I said, no, absolutely not. So here's someone who is trans and has an anomaly between her legs that sets off the scanners. Why wouldn't it? TSA, their sole purpose is to keep everyone safe. If there's an anomaly, we need to check that out, don't we? Make sure it's something that isn't going to take down a plane. I mean, after all, we did have an underwear bomber one time. We did have a shoe bomber at one time. So that's the reason why TSA is doing some of these things. So then they like, okay, so you're trans. Now let's, I guess, screen you as something else, a man. Now there's more anomalies. Now TSA isn't aware. They're not, I don't know if they're trained in this. I don't know what they're doing. Their sole purpose is to keep us safe flying. The sole purpose is to keep her safe flying. And I could feel a little, a sense of frustration in her. And I can understand that. Who likes TSA? I've flown recently a lot and, you know, TSA, they, they're annoying, but they're doing their job. You know, flight attendants, on the other hand, that's another story. They're tending to get a bit lazy. In fact, the last plane flight I was on, I had a flight attendant sacked out in the last row. They don't do anything on flights, but I digress. So TSA is there to uh, make us safe, keep us safe, because we've had experiences in the past that we've learned from that say we need to watch out for these things. And so, sure, I understand her frustration, but it's also like you got to understand that their job isn't to make sure that your feelings are okay. They're there to make sure we're all safe. And so, again, the confusion there, even in that situation outside of the athletic competition, how do you handle it? How do we go about and, and get everyday life? Because it is a small percentage of people. If you live in Los Angeles, West L.A., you know, you might come across them more frequently. But if you're in middle America, you might not. If you're on the East Coast or maybe Florida, maybe a little bit more. But if you're in North Dakota, maybe not. So, again, It's not something to be offended about because TSA is trying to do their job. It's something that they're trying to do, and they tried to accommodate. That's the other thing. They tried to accommodate the gal going through the screening process. But it's it's not an easy thing. And so when there's no easy answers, and I think this is the perfect example of a complex issue, when there's no easy answers, what do you have to do? You have to talk about it. You have to sit and dialogue and try to understand and try to come up with something, but nobody wants to. Nobody wants to because they just want compliance over understanding. And that's what makes it difficult. That's why you get the pushback. And then no one wants to understand the athletes that have gone down 
and practiced and worked out and spent their life trying to get to the state championship for their high school. Maybe they're working on a scholarship. You know, in one of the clips, um, I think it was before Selena Soleil's clip that I put, you know, she was talking about that she was always a top five runner, top six for sure. And the top six or top five would advance to state. She was in regionals, I guess. And with these two transgendered athletes, once they entered the competition, it bumped her down to like seventh and eighth and she missed out. Now, people would say run faster, run better. Well, what are you competing for? Third place? Fourth place? Nobody goes on the competition field. I'm going to compete for third place. I'm going to compete for the bronze medal. You go out there and you run for gold. You run the race to win the prize. And if you're already thinking third place, you're not going to win. And so you have to understand from their perspective. You have to understand from the athlete's perspective. But when you take a look at it through a political lens, nothing ever good comes from that. The social lens is a little bit harder. You have some acceptance. You have some rejection. You have some realities that are true and then perceptions that might not be true. But how are you going to understand unless you talk about it? Come to the table. Let's see if there's something we can figure out instead of compliance. Force compliance. But that's where we're at these days. On both sides. Not just one side, both sides. Force compliance. But then you got to look at the person. And so it comes back to our heart again, like I was talking about a little bit earlier in last week, last show. It comes back to the heart of the person. Are we going to have compassion on the athlete? But then we really have to look at serious issues. I mean, it's no different than steroids. We had to look at those issues and say, okay, steroids is, is bad and not only is it unhealthy, but it's an unfair advantage for those that don't. So, you know, we need to take it out. But we have to have compassion on the athlete. We have to have compassion on the people involved. But yet we take action, right? And so when there's no easy answers, what do we do? And this, I think, is a perfect example of that complex issue where we need to sit down and we need to talk about it. We need to figure it out, you know, and maybe having their own competition category. Maybe that's not the right answer. Maybe there's not enough to compete. But where is it? Where is the fairness in competition? Because after all, competition is all about rules and fairness. When you're talking about sports, rules are there to make things fair. Rules are there to make the competition equal. And in this case, is it really equal? Are the biological differences enough to give someone an advantage? And now the debate goes on from there, too, because in other uh, videos, such as Fallon Fox, she talks about that, you know, how taking the hormones and stuff breaks down the body. But you can go and do the research, and you can check for yourself, and you can come up with your own opinion. The other thing, too, that's interesting is you should, if you have some idle time, take a look at all the men versus women competition. The records men versus women, world records, weight issues as far as pumping iron, the weight records, Serena Williams playing a male athlete in tennis. She could whoop my ass pretty quickly, straight set. I'd get six love, six love, and be done. But when you're against somebody that's playing the sport, it's a little different story. And so what it comes down to is, we have to make sure that we're just compassionate in our dealings and have understanding, but yet then have truth. Speak truth in the manner as well. You know, the final thing I want to get through tonight is uh, time is precious. I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other night, and um, his mother had been ill for a long time, and he actually dropped out of school. I met him through the college. He actually dropped out of school and had to take care of his mother. was a couple 
classes shy, maybe even the math class shy of completing his uh, AA. And I know a lot of students that have had to kind of drop out and help, but um, but this guy had a lot of talent, a lot of ability. You know he was going to do a lot of things, but he put his life on hold to take care of his mom, and then I guess his mom passed away a couple months ago, and so he finally got the opportunity to um, tell me about it and, and share and talk a little bit. But it got me thinking, you know, time is precious, and what we do with our time is even more precious. You have to remember that time is a gift, not something you're entitled to. And no matter how hard you try, you can't control it. There's no making it go backwards or stopping it. The only thing you can do is choose how to spend the time you're given. You don't know how many more days or years you have, so make sure you're celebrating every moment you get. If there's one thing we've learned in the last year is that Life is not a given. We can't take life for granted. In a blink of an eye, we could be gone. We've all learned that. We don't have time sometimes like Carlos to spend with his mom and take her to the doctors. And even though it was a sacrifice, he enjoyed those times. He relished those memories. Sometimes it's taken from us immediately. But what do we do with our time? What do we do? to make it precious, to cherish the moments. Because oftentimes we like to have a plan, right? In 10 years from now, this is where I'm going to be. We're always obsessed with the future. Where are you going to be in 10 years? Where do you see yourself in 20 years? I can't see myself tomorrow what I'm doing. I hope I just wake up. Because we don't know. And so we got to take the most and enjoy life. We got to enjoy the simple things. You know, the stop and smell the roses. Again, something very simple that's often dismissed, but yet again, there's a lot of value in that. You know, the little moments, you know, as I get older in life, my parents age, uh, there, and those friends and relatives and family members and so forth that are now my parents age. You know, every time we get together for a holiday or something, you start to think, I need to cherish this moment and cherish this holiday because this could be the last time we're all together. We don't know, but it could be. When you're with your friends, it could be. Is that argument really worth it? Is that dispute really worth it? Maybe some cases it is. But in other cases, is it really worth it? Do we like to take life for granted? Or do we enjoy the simple pleasures? That was one of the things that I enjoyed. Again, I was talking about flying earlier and how the flight attendant was sacked out in the back and another flight attendant was on her phone and another one was reading a book. And, you know, I'm sitting there with my mask on and they're yelling at me from their back of the plane. One of them probably in her sleep screaming at people. But when I arrived at my destination, it was in Florida. And the the pace, you know, I had a busy schedule because I wasn't there for pleasure. I was there to actually do business. But the pace and the lifestyle, because it was, you know, on the beach and there's beach driving and stuff like that. And it just made it where even though the busy schedule and the hectic schedule and the driving and having to get there for this meeting and go there for that, it was just nice to enjoy something. And when you live in the same place for most of your life, you can become complacent. You see the same thing, driving down the same street, going the same way to work or school, or your friend's house or this restaurant or that fast food place or this convenience store, and it becomes redundant. But as I was driving through Florida, you start to appreciate some of the things as you're looking around, checking out you know, the 
maybe the cities, maybe you're driving through and it's the countryside and maybe you're seeing, you know, different cars from different states and who's traveling here, you know, and you just, you're enjoying it. You're enjoying life, a new place, you know, the weather changes, um, new scenery, you know, the bay, I was on the bay side and got to see, you know, Tampa Bay. So that was kind of nice, but you start to enjoy it. So then since coming back, you know, I've kind of taken on that, you know, why rush here and there? Why run around and get crazy? Because life can be gone in a minute, in an instant. You drive LA freeways, you know that. Maybe in your town where you're listening, traffic can be bad. Last couple of days, I think I've spent hours in traffic. I guess that's what happens when you come out of a lockdown. People get back to normal and LA traffic gets out of control. Spent 30 minutes going three miles. But I didn't get worked up, surprisingly. And if you've listened to shows previously, you know I'd be yelling and screaming and doing all kinds of things. But I wasn't. And so I was able to kind of not enjoy it, but keep my composure and realize that, you know what? LA Freeway, I'd take this over anything else. Over not being here. Over losing someone. Over maybe not having the ability to drive because something happens. Just the simple things. The simple pleasures in life. But not only that, we have to make sure that we are the ones that go out there and go after whatever it is that we want to do. So time is precious and we need to make the most of it. Kind of stop and smell the roses is that aspect of it. But then also time is precious and it's fleeting. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to go after the dreams, the goals, the, the aspirations in our lives? Or are we going to sit back and be complacent and hope somebody comes along and, and tells us to get off our humps and go do it? It's very, very simple to get what you want, but it's not easy. It's your job to make yourself do the crap you don't want to do so you can be everything that you're supposed to be. And you're so damn busy waiting to feel like it. And you're never going to. Ever. No one's coming. No one. No one's coming to push you. No one's coming to tell you to turn the TV off. No one's coming to tell you to get out the door and exercise. Nobody's coming to tell you to apply for that job that you've always dreamt about. Nobody's coming to write the business plan for you. It's up to you. It's up to you. No one is coming. How many of us spent COVID lockdown binge watching Netflix and getting fat? I was one of them. I didn't really binge watch too much. Because there's a lot of crap out there that I don't like. If you're just tuning in, you can go back to the first part of the show when I post it and you can hear a little bit of that. But what did we do with our time? Did we do stuff? Now, for me, one of the, t- one of the things that I did was, I just got fat, but um, I pursued my podcast, pursued this, what I'm doing. Made sure it didn't die. Made sure it continued on. In fact, got out there, did shows from like the Santa Monica Pier, the Hollywood sign, places of interest because I thought it would be fun and we could do it. And so I didn't just idly watch and binge watch a lot of stuff, but I was active in, in this. But I didn't go out and exercise. And all that weight that I lost in 2019, I gained it all back. I should have been motivated to go out and do it. No one's going to tell me to do it. So 
That's what we got to do. If you have goals, if you have ambitions, if you have something you want to do, nobody's going to come knocking and say, hey, what was it in Greece? If we had a guardian angel to tell us what to do, not going to have a guardian angel tell us what to do. We need to get up and we need to go do it because time is precious because time is fleeting because in a blink of an eye, we can either be gone or time flies. How many of us, as we get older and we listen to the older generation, they sit there and say, man, time really flew. I can't believe it's been 30 years, 40 years, 50 years since this happened, since I got married, since I was in high school, since college graduation, since I met my best friend, since we made that road trip here, since we did that thing. Time flies. You look back and you think, what did I do? I never accomplished those things that I wanted to do. And so it's a combination for me. It's making sure that I make the most of every opportunity. It's pursuing my passion, taking my passion, making it happen, letting myself be great. And it's also enjoying the ride. That was one of the things I didn't do when I was younger, when I was in Iowa. My first radio job, I was so ambitious, I wanted to get in and get the hell out of there. Get on to the next thing. Get on to the big thing, right? And I could have enjoyed the ride a little bit better. And I had many people tell me that when I was going through college. Enjoy the ride because life goes quick. A lot of older people I was working with, life goes quick. Enjoy the ride. Some of these people are 10, 15 years older than me, and that's what they all said. Now, sometimes I took it to heart, but in this case, I didn't because I want to get to the big time. Win that Marconi. Enjoy the ride. So for me, it was a combination of things. You, you can decide for yourself what it's going to be and how you want to do that. But time is fleeting. It's precious. We don't have much time left. And that's what we've learned this past year, too, is we don't know when our time is up. Are we going to live life to the fullest? Are we going to think back with regret on what we did? And that's with anything. I mean, just think about the things we did tonight. Are we going to look back on, hey, those shoes are really important, so I needed to get those satanic 666 shoes and spend $1,000 so I can have one of them. I'm going to sit and spend my time arguing about them. I'm going to do X, Y, Z with them because that's what's important now. I'm going to be a social justice warrior on Facebook and social media because, you know, that's the thing to do. Time is fleeting. Could you be doing something else to benefit you, to benefit those around, to inspire, to raise the standard, raise the bar, bring out the greatness in you, be the lion that's going to attack the pack of hyenas in your kingdom. Have that mindset of a champion that we often hear about. Or are you going to let things just be complacent and be like the jellyfish, the ebb and flow on the wave here and there? And wherever life takes us, that's just where we're going to be with groovy, man. It's up to you. It's up to you to decide what you want to do with it. What I want to do is I want to make the most of it. I want to take my passion, make it happen. I want to let myself be great, whatever that greatness might be. I want to bring out that greatness so that I can inspire others to do great. So we can raise the standard so that we can sit and have dialogue with people we disagree with without getting into a fight. So we can come up with solutions so we can come up with things to make this world a better place because right now we're going to hell in the handbag and ain't no Gucci. It's a knockoff from the inner city that I got one time because I got suckered. Don't get suckered, but that's what you got to do. We got to get out there and we got to, we got to make sure that we're doing the best that we can and make the most of it so that we can be whatever it is that we want to be. We got to get off our cans and go do it because no one's coming. 
No one's coming to tell us to turn off that TV. No one's coming to tell us to hit the gym. Although we just spent a year telling people, having people tell us not to hit the gym because it was closed. But we got to do it. We got to get that inspiration in us. We got to light that fire in us. Crank up the doors. Light that fire. Get motivated. It's a new year. We've got things opening. I don't know where you're at, but I'm at in L.A. County. We just went, I think, to Orange. I think we get more freedom. Like little George Michael. But we got to do that. And so time is fleeting. Make the most of it. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. See what you can do to inspire others. See what you can do to help others. And if we do that, maybe this place won't be so bad for the rest of the time that we're here. Because after all, it's up to us. Up to us as people to come together. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in. There's been a lot of stuff stepped in. But that way we talk about it so you don't have to. Maybe you learn a thing or two, avoid some of the pitfalls, or maybe you learn a thing or two to help you succeed. If there's something that you would like to share, love to hear your story, your feedback, you can email the show, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts on the, uh, on the show, any comments you might have. You can find us on Instagram, two places. The first place is the show Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast, T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. There is a link in the bio. It's a link tree link. You can click it. Some options come up. You can listen to the show on pretty much any place you find a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, um, you know, wherever. You can Google search it, Two Steps Ahead, T-W-O. Google search Two Steps Ahead Podcast. We pop up. Hey, Suri, hey, Alexa, play T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. We pop up. Um, if you go to mine, at uh, Edem Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. I've got a uh, same thing, a link in the bio. You click it. Some other options come up. Uh, we've got YouTube. You can watch videos of the uh, podcast on YouTube, on IGTV. You can also uh, swag shop. Got some cool swag. Just click the swag shop, and you can go there and see all kinds of cool swag with all kinds of different varieties, colors, sizes, a lot of cool stuff. And then also um, RadioWarp.com. There's a link there. We can listen to RadioWarp.com. We're live Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. Pacific time on RadioWarp.com. You can listen live. We also replay the show there throughout the week, Mondays and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. We also have other shows that air on there, plus some great pop music, some modern music, uh, some 80s, all kinds of good uh, entertainment, good clean entertainment. Don't think there's any Cardi B. I think it's a Cardi B free zone. In fact, if you listen, you might get your cardio up and you might get off that couch, turn off that TV, get that heart pumping, lose the weight that you gain, and it's all good. So there you go. And then also we've got uh, phone apps. So if you go to your store, Android and Apple, and just search Radio Warp app, Radio Warp app, and you can take us with you on the go. And so there you have it. I'd like to thank you for being a part of the show, for helping us out and uh, with your support. Really appreciate it for following us online, for listening to the show, watching the um, the podcast on YouTube. In fact, the easiest thing to do to make sure you don't miss an episode is to um, just subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our SoundCloud. And then you get notifications when new shows pop up, and then you'll never miss a show. And then, of course, we're here live Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. Pacific time, right here on RadioWarp.com, uh, doing the show live. 
And again, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out and email the show. Let us know. But again, what is it we're going to do with ourselves? What's, what are we going to do with our lives? Do we want to be that inspiration for others? Do we want to have positive influences so that our heart then acts accordingly? Or a heart becomes something that we want it to be, so then we act accordingly. And what comes out of our mouth and our actions and our words and deeds reflects that of a good heart. You know? The two things that are always interesting, I had this conversation not too long ago. At Christmas, you have Santa Claus, and it's the good boys and girls, right? Good kids get the gifts. At Easter time, it's the good kids, at least tradition-wise, that gets the uh, Easter eggs. According to tradition, you can go look it up. But it's something to do with good. There's always something good in there. Nothing really good comes from being bad. Just focus on the good, the good in each other, the good in the world. A lot of negativity, but there's a lot of people that would like us to continue to hate on each other, to continue to be divided. They thrive on the divide. Let's patch it up, put a little spackle on that. And let's come together and unite as a community. It starts at the grassroots level, too. It doesn't have to be a big national movement. It starts at the grassroots level, your neighbors, your neighborhood. And then from there, it will grow. And then the next thing you know, you've got a grassroots movement making some positive changes. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. Again, my name is Son Edom. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in so you don't have to.